I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The banger! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays of Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeney Friday. This is the Feeney Podcast, and we are back after a short hiatus to break down episode five of the third season of Boy Meets World. This is Josh. With me is Jacqueline, and we're going to dive into Hometown Hero. Hello. Good morning. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I wonder if Corey needs to find himself? (laughs) (laughs) I have had that feeling before. My note here was, we really only have two episode options at this (laughs) point. We've got Sean needs to find himself, Corey doesn't really fit in at school and needs to find himself. Well, there's also just like general dating shenanigans. So I would say three... But yes, it has been a little heavy on the Sean and Corey want to be somebody theme. And this episode is no exception. (laughs) So good stuff. Maybe this is why the show resonates with like teenagers back then, because everyone was just trying to find themselves so much and they were doing so many episodes of that. Yeah, it also like is a good balance between just like wackiness, but like real heartfelt emotions that like teenagers are going through although it is you know it's a little bit more dramatic and maybe a little bit more cheesy but you know they do a good balance it's not all serious and it's not all zany it's like strikes a good mix of the two yeah i like this episode we really only have one storyline here everything that happens in this episode is just centered around this kind of main Sean Corey storyline. There's like a little Eric gag, of course, Feeney and everyone else is in it. And they do a good job of weaving everyone into their story, but there's no separate story. It's just this main line. Yeah, unlike I think it was last episode where there were a bunch of different storylines and everybody had some gimmick going on. This one is one nice continuous episode where everybody is focused in on the one plot line. And uh, it is, it's a pretty funny episode. Yeah, it is funny. It's uh, called Hometown Hero and just reminded me of the superlatives from the yearbook in 2005 when none other than yours truly won the unsung hero of the class. So, you know, obviously there are some parallels there. Really? What? Okay. You know what? Congratulations. <laughs> Unsung hero. I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast before <laughs> because we it's had to no like- class clown. <laughs> you're right. It's no class clown. Can't all win class clown. Yeah, you're right. But so proud. You know, I just felt, I felt seen in that moment. Yeah. And, uh, did you I'm feel like- Do it forever. Did you feel like you had been a little unsung maybe? Really? No one was singing my name. <laughs> and- uh, <laughs> I just wanted people to recognize that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's great. You are a real Corey um, <laughs> <laughs> in this moment. So, yes, Hometown Hero, Season 3, Episode 5, aired on October 27th, 1995, 
which means that we're not going to get a spooky Halloween episode this season, which is a bummer. Mm. But it was directed by John Tracy, who's a familiar name. He's done a couple episodes already. And uh, let's let's get some uh, recaps here. So Google says, when Corey is mistakenly recognized for saving the school from a fire, he learns the true meaning of being a hero. And my synopsis is, Corey wants to find himself, to be somebody, to make a name for himself at the school. He enjoys a brief stint of celebrity before it all comes crashing down around him. Very reminiscent of some previous Corey trying to find himself episodes, such as the wrestling episode recently. You know, he goes Mm -hmm. down this path and then it all just falls apart. Yeah, the first synopsis you read is technically not true because he did technically save the school from burning down. He just omits the fact that he was the one that started the fire. But he he isn't not a hero. He just, you know, is also the zero. Do you get to call yourself a hero when you create the problem and then solve it? No, I guess you don't get to call yourself a hero, but like he wasn't mistakenly identified for saving the school. He was mistakenly not arrested for vandalism. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Before we get too deep into this episode, I did want to just share a little bit of Boy Meets World news Mm -hmm. ripped from the headlines, if you will indulge me. So for those of you who don't follow the entire cast of Boy Meets World on Instagram, Ryder Strong just directed a music video for a band called Typhoon. The song is called We're In It, and if you're so interested, you can watch the video on YouTube. Um, I believe this was his first music video that he's ever directed, but it was filmed in Sonoma, California, and you actually might recognize the actors that are in the video. It's not the band in the video. It's it's actors, and it was pretty spooky. You watched it, right, Josh? Yeah, I had a really hard time making sense of this video. It's like a sci-fi story, and it's about these two guys who I guess their friend dies, and they build a time machine out in the woods so that they can like save their friend from dying. It's weird. It's spooky. It's dark, but it apparently um, he wants to. He's working on like a screenplay or something for a sci-fi movie. So I guess this is the direction he wants to go in with his directing. I see. Well. I did not particularly enjoy the music video, but it's probably worth a watch if you're into the Boy Meets World universe. They, of course, during the interview about this music video, ask him a bunch of questions about his time on Boy Meets World, and he goes into his relationships with people and and all of that, seemingly has a pretty strong relationship with everyone still. Yeah, yeah, they talked about, and I did, I shared a screenshot of this um, on our Instagram, but he did an interview with people and they did a couple different articles about it. And one of them was really just about like his relationship with the cast of Boy Meets World and like how they're all still close and they all still keep in touch and specifically his relationship with Trina and like how that has shaped him. So, uh, yeah, it was a really it was a nice read. It was it was good to know that they're all still friends. Yes, absolutely. And again, music video. I'll leave it up to you all. But I did not get it. So should I add the song to our Feeny playlist? The song's okay. The song's okay. Running, play for dinner or something.
apparently that band Typhoon, I've never heard of them before. They played at Ryder Strong's wedding. So he, I guess, already knows the band and they asked him to do this video. So interesting. Good piece of info. Did the video just disturb you? Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't, didn't really get it. Don't like, it was basically a five minute long movie set to one right. song. Right. It was a short film, a silent yeah. film. So not my style. Much rather see, you know, some some fun, wacky things happening, but doesn't need to be for me. So Yeah, sure. You'd rather see like Britney Spears in a red cat suit yeah, or sure. Nicki Minaj shaking her ass. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever the case may be. Whatever. So the episode. We open with Corey and Sean in a chemistry lab, which we've never seen before. And they're trying to get an extension on a paper that was due that day in class. So the paper's due. Neither of them have the paper. And now they got to go schmooze the teacher. Yeah, apparently all the money that's usually spent on wacky Halloween antics has been spent on additional cast members and new scenes and settings because the chemistry lab is brand new and we have a bunch of kind of ancillary characters in this episode. This chemistry lab is an insane place. There are just wall-to-wall chemicals <laughs> every which way we turn. I didn't even notice that. I just was like, whoa, this isn't Mr. Turner's classroom. So many chemicals. But yes, they go up and they need to get an extension from Dr. Sorrell, who is a, a new teacher here. And he, of course, is a science teacher. So he's wearing a white lab coat over his clothing. <laughs> and right as they go up to to ask for the extension, they see Dr. Sorrell granting an extension to Tommy, the star football player slash basketball player, because he's a jock. He doesn't need to do any of his assignments or complete them on time. So Corey and, and Sean want to ride that as well. Yeah, he tells him you just rest that th touchdown throwing arm. Don't worry about your paper. This doesn't really sit very well with Corey because the same same grace is not extended to him and Sean because they are not on the football team. First of all, I've never had a teacher in high school that was a doctor, I don't think. Not until college. The principals were doctors. Like I remember Dr. Seton, but I don't think I ever had a doctor so-and-so in high school. That's interesting. It would make sense for science if they like had come from some like, you know, research science PhD program and then they were going to teach. But you're right. That is that's probably an, an oddity. Yeah. Well, and the white coat, too, was a, a that bit is much. A bit but much. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he was played by an actor named Jim Jansen. I the only he looked so familiar to me, but I couldn't place him. Uh, but as it turns out, he's been in everything I've ever watched. So uh, that explains why he looked familiar. Yeah, this man has been in everything. He did look very familiar, not for the reasons I thought he was someone else. But when, when I looked him up, I recognized him uh, from Gilmore Girls, certainly. And then he is in one episode of if you can name a TV show from the last 30 years, there's a good chance that he has been in it. Yeah. I was just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling down his IMDb to be like, was there one show that he was on like for years that maybe that's what I know him from? And I was like, nope, he just is in my brain because he's been in every TV show I've ever watched. <laughs> like, yeah. no joke. <laughs> it's amazing. Like one episode of Parks and Rec, 
The Office, How I Met Your Mother, like just like spanning different networks and diagnosis murder, the X Files. I'm telling you, yeah, every genre, every network, everything. He's on it. Home Improvement, of course, but he did double up or double down, I suppose, on Boy Meets World. He will be in one more episode. You know, I didn't even, I got so distracted looking at all the other stuff he was in. I didn't even check and see if he was going to be in yeah, more be episodes in of Boy Meets World. Season three, episode 12. So he will be in an episode, I guess, a couple months from now. What's his character's name? Dr. Sorrell. Oh. He's back. Okay. He's, he's back. back. I wonder if he'll be wearing the white coat. You'll find out later on the Feeny podcast. So Corey and Sean get uh, brutally rebuffed by Dr. What the hell's his name? Sorrell, Mm -hmm. chem professor here. And so they decide to, you know, obviously the only logical thing to do now is to write their paper as fast as possible after school, then break into the chemistry lab to leave their papers on the teacher's desk so that when he comes back the next day, they'll be in the pile with the other uh, papers and it'll appear that they turned them in on time. Yeah, good guy. We go from like... One episode where like Sean sneaking out at night is like a huge deal to somehow Sean is able to sneak out of Turner's house. Corey's able to sneak out of his own house. They stay up all night writing these papers. They somehow coordinate with each other where to meet, how to meet, how to get into the school. They easily break into this like window through the chem lab. It apparently is on the second floor because they're like jumping down after. So this is an elaborate scheme to set this up. It's so elaborate. And if you if you start to think about any one piece of this too hard, yeah. it all just falls apart. Because like, what are the odds that that professor didn't like take all those papers home with him that night and that the pile is still sitting there and they're going to be able to sneak it in? Yeah. What are the odds that they are both able to like sneak out of their houses? I'm wondering like, what time is it? Is this like 9 p.m.? And he's like, oh, we said to work all night. Or is this like, 4 a.m. and they literally like were so like it's 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 unclear yeah i've got more questions later on because we're gonna find out that janitor bud is in the school when this is happening and he's asleep and i I got some questions around that but anyway they are in the classroom and they are trying to figure out where the stack of papers are so they can just add theirs to the pile their flashlight dies so they were like oh we're in a chem lab let's find some matches we'll light those we'll figure out where the papers are We'll get out of here real quick. And Corey apparently has never used matches before because he goes to strike it and it just kind of like lights up in his hand. I guess all the matches catch on fire at once. And instead of just like throwing them on the ground, he throws them into the full trash can. Yeah, I guess it was a book of matches and he lights the actual match book on fire. What doesn't really add up here is they're like, they're literally standing two feet away from the from the desk and then the the flashlight dies and they're like oh no we need a light i'm like no you don't just go to the desk and put the papers down and exit like what you're not like trying to hack into the mainframe bro (laughs) like just put the papers down why do you need more light but you know of course they start a fire and they run away and then when they exit the building Corey's like was the fire out? And then there's this hilarious exchange between Corey and Sean about like, should we leave the fire burning or should we put it out? And like, the lab is full of chemicals. It, this cracks me up, this back and forth. 
Was the fire out when you left? Hey, it's, it's a trash can fire. It'll go out by itself for tomorrow when they take out the trash. <laughs> Song, Song, it's a chemistry lab. Chemicals explode. Oh, no, this is bad. That's what I'm saying. No, 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 I ended my paper in conclusion. Chemicals don't explode. I also liked that right before they run out of the school, they, Corey yells, Backdraft! Yeah. <laughs> when did that movie come out? 1991. So, yeah. great movie directed by Ron Howard, starring Kurt Russell and Robert De Niro. And uh, I, I don't think I've actually ever seen Backdraft, but it made me really want to watch it. And that was a funny little line. I don't think I've seen it either, but I do remember watching a video about backdrafts in some science class, like in high school. And it does like kind of traumatize you. <laughs> so I can only imagine the movie is just insane. The idea with a backdraft is that you like set a fire behind the main fire and then it like helps extinguish the main fire. Is that right? I thought it was when the fire almost is burned out because the fire is trapped somewhere and there's no oxygen. And then when you open a door or something, fresh oxygen rushes in and it feeds the fire and then you get like a huge explosion. That's exactly what it is. There was kind of an episode about of SVU that involved a backdraft as well. And you know that I've seen all of those episodes. Sure. Yeah, excellent description there. So yes, they have run out of the school and last we see them when the scene cuts is them trying to figure out what to do about this fire in the school with them standing outside. Corey runs back up into the school, presumably to put out the fire. Oh, conveniently, there's like a ladder yeah. <laughs> right next to that chem lab window. So he just like climbs up this ladder. Um, we find out in the next scene when they're at school the next morning and they're both like paranoid about getting caught that I don't think he actually put out the fire. He just pulled the fire alarm to alert, I guess, the fire department to come and put the fire out. Yeah, that is what I'm assuming as well. There didn't mention anything about like sprinklers or anything like that, though. I'm pretty sure that schools do have built in sprinkler systems that would handle a fire like that. But what seemingly happens is he pulled the alarm because janitor Bud comes up and he's like, I know what you did last night, Curly you're coming with me and you're like, oh God, they're going to get in trouble for this. But in fact, he saw Corey near the building, but he also knew that somebody pulled the alarm, which we then find out saved his life because he was asleep in the janitor's closet. Yeah. So janitor Bud pulls Corey into this room and it's like Turner, Eli, Feeney, mm -hmm. and a bunch of students just <laughs> sitting there. And I'm like, what the hell are you guys? Maybe it's like pre-homeroom. I don't know what's happening. But Corey thinks he's busted, but then instead, when they find out he was there, everybody immediately starts like calling him a hero and clapping and thanking him for saving Janitor Bud's life. So uh, it definitely did not go as planned. Feeney is immediately suspicious. So Janitor Bud says, I saw you running down the hallway. If you hadn't pulled that alarm, I would have died. But nobody seems to be like, Corey, why were you at school? It doesn't cross anybody's mind that there's a fire going and they see someone there and maybe that's who started the fire. Except for Feeney, who says, what were you doing there? And he says, I guess I was just in the right place at the right time. And he ends up making up the story about walking home from Chubby's and seeing the fire and then pulling the alarm. So I suppose it is believable that like a fire could have started in a chem lab and that he might have been there. 
this kind of clarifies it's probably not four o'clock in the morning. It's probably a little bit earlier. Maybe it's like 10 p.m. or something. And of course, Corey isn't going to get in trouble for like being out at 10 p.m. His parents are just going to accept the fact that he was like randomly out and and saw this fire. But yes, anyway, everyone is excited and calling Corey a hero. And he's he's pretty skeptical of the uh, of the support at the beginning he's like oh, i didn't do anything obviously like i started a fire I don't, I don't really want this attention right so Corey is very uncomfortable with this because obviously he knows the truth that he started the fire but sean says Corey, you're always saying how you want to be somebody and now you are you're a hero so sean is trying to encourage him to just roll with this and so true, Sean, he is always saying that he wants to be somebody. He is always saying that every episode. But in typical Corey fashion, as has happened in so many previous episodes, he immediately gets swept up in all of the positive attention and all the perks that he's getting from being a quote unquote hero. Like the chemistry professor gives him an A on his paper, even though the paper is completely burned janitor bud gives him like a fancy locker so it's all like he's getting all this positive attention and it just goes straight to his head yeah someone's rolled out a red carpet directly to his locker and he <laughs> yeah he accepts this hero status very quickly we see topanga for the first time because she runs yes. up to sean this might be the first scene that sean and topanga have without Corey. i don't know if that's true or not but it it struck me as odd to see those two characters together without Corey. Yeah, we haven't seen Topanga in a little while and, uh, you know, bit lines here and there. And this is another, I mean, she's really not part of the episode. She's nope. just sort of there. And she's like, hey, Sean, let's go to this pep rally. And they go together. And then we find out that the football team's pep rally is actually more of like a dedication ceremony to Corey. So... The football team is like saying that Corey's their inspiration and Corey makes a speech and Eric is trying to get in on this by like introducing Corey, but also sneaking in like how he's single and the girl mm -hmm. should call him. So it's uh, it's really starting to go off the deep end here. Yeah. And Sean is realizing he may have created a little bit of a monster, letting Corey believe that he's a hero because Corey, as you said, is now all in on this and is willing to take this as far as it can go to ride this notoriety. Right. He's giving the speech and he's like, the football team needs to be brave, even though the other team's bigger than them. But those flames were a lot bigger than me. I mean, he's like totally he like a milking fake cough. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the black lung. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm getting the black lung, Bob. It's not very well ventilated down there. So this is where, like, after that rally, Sean is like, listen, man, I think you're letting this get out of control. He tries to rein him back in a little bit. Like, he's like, you're letting this go to your head. And Corey, of course, is like, I don't want to disappoint my fans. I don't want to go back to being a nobody. And, uh, you know, everything Sean's saying kind of goes in one ear and out the other. And then he gets in even deeper by telling the lie to his parents instead of telling them the truth. So it really is just mounting and mounting. Yeah, he wants to tell his parents the truth, but he gets caught up in the story. And uh, the scene actually cuts in the middle of the story. And we assume that he has just kind of 
perpetuated this lie. So even later on the next day, Sean's still trying to be like, listen, man, like this is getting out of control. And Corey's like, I'm just giving the people what they want. We got a photo shoot with the homecoming queen, sushi with Dr. Sorrell. <laughs> I got to go pick up some foreign exchange students. I just, I don't want to be the same old Corey. So I think like he is saying all this stuff, but I think you're right. Like, or I think he is starting to realize that Sean is right. And like lying to his parents was sort of like the step too far. So at this point, Corey's like, look, man, I just got to let this thing fizzle out. I've already lied to the school. I've already lied to my parents. It really can't get any worse. I haven't gotten caught yet. And then, of course, on cue, Eli comes and tells him that he's used his reporting connections to get Corey and his family on the local news so Corey can tell his story to all of Philadelphia. Yeah, in this scene... And I will send you a picture so that you can do a side-by-side comparison. Both Mr. Turner and Eli are wearing ugly ties. That's a given. Yes. That's just what they do. The tie that Mr. Turner is wearing is very, very similar to a tie that I own. (laughs) So I will uh, send you a picture so you can put them up online. When I saw it, I was like, holy crap, I have that exact tie. When I went and saw the tie, I realized it was slightly different, but it is very, very similar. I can't wait to put this up on the gram. It should also be noted, since we're talking about men's fashion, that Sean is once again rocking a terrible vest. I I need to speak to who is in charge of the costumes because this vest is out of line. Yeah, it's like kind of a suit vest it's a suit vest back. with like the silk yeah. back and the like adjustable yeah. thing in the back that you can <laughs> yeah. tighten it it's it's meant to be worn under a jacket and i think it was polka dots i mean it is just unforgivable this vest yeah it's rough i also noticed eric's attire i really don't i guess this maybe was in fashion but the like high necked like crew neck white undershirt with the really deep v sweater over top i just don't like that as a look oh my mom used to put us there was a turtleneck under everything (laughs) turtleneck under a sweatshirt turtleneck under a vest under a dress whatever it was there was a turtleneck underneath i don't know if that's just my mom's love of turtlenecks or if that was a 90s look but Mm. uh i can yeah, I think a deep V may be a bridge too far, but uh, I understand the turtleneck layering. Yeah, it was deep. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, Corey is very distressed that he's going to be on the news. And instead of just telling Eli, like, look, I don't want to go on TV, he just accepts that this is happening to him, I guess. And Feeney is clearly very suspicious of Corey. He's lurking around corners and saying things like, hmm, I suppose. (laughs) But even though he's being clearly suspicious, Corey and Sean are not getting the message. No. So Corey is quickly approaching this interview and he needs some help. He needs to go to someone who doesn't know him so that he can get some advice. And who does he call other than Dr. Sharon on the radio and he doesn't want to give his real name, obviously. So he says his name is Gomez, which I have to imagine is paying homage to the Adams family. Adams family. Because <laughs> I literally don't know anyone whose first name is Gomez other than Gomez Adams. 
Yeah. No, I think it was Adam's family as well. I was imagining this radio show being like a Delilah. Remember Delilah? Mm-hmm. Delilah. So he's calling in for help. And uh, she's like, it sounds like you need some bravery. You should watch the news tonight. They're doing a story on Corey Matthews. And he's like, what do you know, lady? And like hangs up on her angrily. So he's now at the end of his rope. But he seems to actually be going through with this news thing. Like the crew is are pulling up at his house. Yeah, he, he can't stop this. There's no stopping it at this point. Everyone's there. And meanwhile, Eric comes out. He's got his suit on. He's got his perfectly coiffed hair. And uh, now we get our second reference to the fact that Eric wants to become a weatherman. And he actually is now gunning for Rich Herrera's job on uh, <laughs> Philadelphia Tonight. Yeah, he thinks that uh, during his interview, if he can just show the network what an amazing weatherman he would be, that they will fire their beloved weatherman and hire him instead, a literal high schooler. This scene was giving me those vibes from, do you remember that season one episode where Corey took that Mensa IQ test Mm -hmm. and they were literally like getting ready to, and he cheated on it and they thought he was a genius and they're like getting ready to ship him off to a special school and he still hadn't confessed that he cheated until it was like he was in way over his head. This is like the exact same. He's in way over his head. He's had so many opportunities to go to his parents and like tell them the truth or go to anyone. And even if he didn't want to confess, he could just be like, look, I'm not comfortable doing this news interview. But no, he is waiting until the 11th hour when everything's like already happening. And um, he's about to really embarrass himself. That episode, though, with the Mensa, his parents knew that he had, like, done something. Like, they knew he wasn't a genius, right, in that one? And they were kind of, like, in on it, and they were waiting for him to confess, I'm pretty sure. Whereas in this one, like, it really seems like they have no idea that he's not a hero. Yeah, you're probably right. I can't fully remember. That's the one where he would, like... He was like playing the classical music so that his mom would think he was like listening to classical music and stuff. I'm pretty sure when the lady comes over to give the test, they like knew that he wasn't a genius, but. And they were trying to smoke him out. Yeah, either way, he's letting this go on too far. The reporters there in the living room, Turner and Eli are both there for some reason. I guess they just like want to catch a glimpse of this live. There are a million news people in the in the living room. And uh, in the background, there's like a refreshments table. Sean is dumping all the refreshments into his bag. Yeah, he's at the craft services table, like just like pouring trays of bagels into his backpack. And the guy's like, excuse me, are you part of this? And he's like, uh, I'm the one who helped Corey start the fire. (laughs) Which didn't end up coming back to like bite them at all. But it was right. It also is worth noting that at this point, Sean is there to support Corey, even though he's been trying to tell Corey to like downplay this whole thing. And Sean is like, you know, this is partially my fault too. Like I was there with you and I'm the one who told you to like ride this whole hero thing a bit. So they sort of like reconcile and, but everyone still thinks Corey's an idiot for doing this, but here we are. I guess Eli is there because he's the one who set up the interview. He made a connection with the newswoman and I guess Turner just like wanted to tag along. Sure. Who wouldn't want to tag along? So... The interview starts and Amy's bragging that Corey's a sweet kid. He didn't do this to be a hero. He always does the right thing. Alan's going on. He like, 
I guess they make him seem kind of nervous during the interview because he's kind of bumbling through it. Like no one's speaking very eloquently. Yeah, Alan's doing this whole thing where every time he talks, he's like sheepishly touching the microphone and like stuttering a lot and it's weird. And then Eric is just interrupting everything to give his weird weather forecast reports. So the whole thing is a bit of a debacle already. Yeah, they are going to do the interview with the family first, and then they're going to go to Corey for the like exclusive one-on-one. And Corey is kind of in the yard waiting for that to happen, getting some fresh air. Feeney's yelling at the news crew because his azaleas are being ruined by the uh, coaxial cables. (laughs) 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 And Corey has kind of finally hit his breaking point. But to me, a real hero is someone who does the right thing when the right thing isn't the easy thing to do. You know Mr. Feeney, don't you? You've known all along. Mr. Matthews, I don't have enough facts to make trouble for anyone, if that's what you mean. He levels with Mr. Feeney, and then his parents come out to find him. And and Mr. Feeney kind of does commend Corey. He's like, you know, I knew that you we're going to do the right thing and like come clean. But I would say it's too little too late, but Feeney gives him a little bit of grace here. And then Corey's parents come out and they're like, Hey dude, like you're about to be on the air. And he tells them the truth. And uh, they tell him that he needs to go and tell the reporter that he's not going to do the interview. And, you know, he's upset. Everyone's going to be mad at him, but uh I don't think there are any consequences for Corey for this. I mean, it's... He does have to go paint on a okay, Saturday. that's true. Feeney says, I'll see you at school tomorrow. It's a Saturday. We're going to be painting. So he does have to go do some uh, physical labor at the school. But, I mean, let's recap. He He gets all his perks taken away. So he's none the worse. Those were like extra benefits. He still got an A on that chemistry test that got burned. The teacher's not taking that back. And I don't really see any discipline being handed down. He seems to just be in the exact same scenario he was at the beginning of the episode. At the post credit scene in the hallway, Janitor Bud's uninstalling the locker genie. And he says, I owe you my life, but Feeney signs the checks. (laughs) So you're right. He like loses all of those perks and the the. Danny character calls him, hey, you, instead of Corey again. So he's seemingly gone back to normal, but he like is happy at the end. He's got Sean. He's got Topanga. They walk off into the sunset. No worse for the wear. And Corey lives to see another day. And unfortunately, Eric does not at this time get hired to be the weatherman. At the end of the interview, she kicks it over to Rich Herrera for the weather. And you hear Eric wailing in despair from off camera. Yes. So, bummer. But once again, that won't be the last time we hear about Eric's dream to be a weatherman. It's certainly not. And as we mentioned at the top, we do have a lot of casted actors in the end of the credits here. So we've mentioned Jim Jansen as Dr. Sorrell, uh, but we also have Deborah Harmon as Connie. We've got Michael Hanif as Tommy, Joey Gaynor as Crew Guy, and Yolanda Gaskins as Dr. Sharon. Don't know if you looked up any of those folks. Um, I looked up the woman who played Connie because she was the only one with a photo associated with her name. And generally, if Mm -hmm. someone doesn't have a picture, it means they're not really an actor anymore. So I looked at her and she was in a lot of stuff in like the 70s and 80s, but nothing that really stood out to me. 
No, Boy Meets World is one of her last credits. That's Deborah Harmon. Michael Haniff played Tommy, and he was only in four things, and that was his acting career, so nothing there. Joey Gaynor was actually in Suicide Kings, a movie in 1997 starring none other than Christopher Walken and Dennis Leary. So that was kind of a big movie, um, but not much other than that. And Yolanda Gaskins was in a few episodes of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, an episode of The Wire, which is not bad, and then this episode of Boy Meets World. So not much going on there, but they did credit a few additional folks than we usually see. <laughs> Next week is an Eric-sode, is, if I am remembering correctly. It's, a, it's an Eric and Feeney romp. I don't know what the main plot exactly is, but I know that we're we're going to be looking forward to a lot of Eric and a lot of Feeney next week. Well, that's yeah. the third bucket. We uh, <laughs> we have no one's finding themselves. It's just going to be a wacky fun episode. Mm-hmm. We will very much be excited to bring you that coming along next week. So tune in. Thank you for listening and following along. You know where to find us at Feeney Podcast on Instagram, FeeneyPodcast.com. I'll see if we can dig out that ugly turner tie here and uh and get you some good online content great stuff thanks feeny fans we'll see you next time 